Welcome to Say When. I'm your host, Holly Toscanini. This podcast is for any woman who's had enough of restrictive diets, feeling bad about their bodies, or putting their lives on hold until they lose the weight. If you've had enough of diet culture, then it's time to say when. Hello and welcome to another episode of Say When, where we dive deep into the world of intuitive eating, body acceptance, and breaking free from diet culture. I'm your host, Holly Toscanini, and today I'm thrilled to introduce my special guest, Kate Williams-Stone. Kate is a visionary in the world of health and wellness, redefining what it means to live a healthy life, especially for women in the transformative stage of perimenopause. As a non-diet health and life coach, Kate's mission is to help women build confidence in their relationship with food and their bodies, guiding them to feel amazing without falling prey to the restrictive narratives of diet culture. Her unique approach is grounded in the principles of intuitive eating, blended with hormone-honoring health habits, honoring a powerful support system for women navigating the complexities of perimenopause. Now, Kate's signature framework is a rich tapestry of peaceful eating practices, cyclical living, and normalizing body changes through feminist, non-diet mindset coaching. Her expertise is backed by a robust array of certifications. She is a trained professional in intuitive eating, body image, and weight-neutral health coaching through a non-diet certification program with Stephanie Dodier, focusing on the going beyond the food method. Additionally, she brings a depth of understanding from her certification in cognitive behavioral coaching, which is enhanced by a trauma-informed and feminist perspective. Her foundational training as a certified health and life coach was completed at the Health Coach Institute and further enriched by additional intuitive eating training with Evelyn Triboli, the co-creator of the intuitive eating framework. And I also want to note that Kate brings a unique perspective from her background in drama, having graduated from the prestigious program at Carnegie Mellon University. Now, in today's episode, we'll learn about Kate's inspiring journey her revolutionary approach to wellness in midlife, and how she empowers women to embrace their health in a way that is aligned with their true selves. Kate, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Holly. So great to be here. Now, you know, you mentioned that perimenopause hit you like a, quote, ton of bricks. Can you share more about your personal experience with that and your unique approach to health coaching? Absolutely. So, like 70% of women, I had uterine fibroids and I also was extremely iron deficient, which they now say about a third of women have low iron. So I oh, call those wow. out as really common experiences that are not mm -hmm. talked about. And so what happened was I was ha having extreme heavy bleeding and this was during COVID when we were mm -hmm. locked down. And um, that's how I became so anemic and low iron. And when I finally got to my primary care physician, um, complaining of fatigue and extremely dry skin and my hair falling out and just not feeling myself, right? Mm -hmm. And saying like, could this be perimenopause? And I got the answers that so many women get, which are, no, you're too young. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're in a pandemic, so you're tired. <laughs> Go home and sleep. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, by the way, do you know that you gained 10 pounds during this lockdown? Mm. And I was sent home. Mm -hmm. So there's an example of how weight stigma gets in the way of healthcare, even for someone in a thin body. Yeah. Right. 
Um, my symptoms were ignored, but the weight gain was what was focused on. And I was sent home. And afterwards, the primary care doctor did put in her notes, you know, maybe you have low iron. When you go see the gynecologist, you should get your blood taken to see what your iron levels are. Mm-hmm. Well, my bleeding was so heavy that I then canceled three appointments with the gynecologist oh because yeah. I could not leave the house. Oh my gosh. Like I, I couldn't, or I'd be like, well, I'm bleeding. So I can't have, you know, a pelvic exam. Right. I'll, I'll put it off for next month. And uh, so three months went by. I finally got to the gynecologist. They took my blood. It confirmed everything that we had thought that my iron was so low. My mm-hmm. ferritin was three. Normal is above 30. I mean, oh my God. Like, oh my and gosh. anemic. Yeah. And so, and then we recognized the fibroids, which was the cause of the heavy bleeding. Mm-hmm. So just navigating the healthcare system mm-hmm. in all of that, um, trying to advocate for myself while feeling just like hell. Um, and when you have low iron, and this can also happen in perimenopause, my cognitive function was just gone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm. it kind of reminds me of a story when I was going through a similar situation. I went to see my doctor who was a woman and I was a little young in her opinion to even be thinking about perimenopause. And she sort of patted me on my head and she says, okay, do you know menopause is when you haven't had a period for a year? And I said, yeah, that's not what I asked you. I said, I think I'm starting to go through. And the answer was always the same. It's either antidepressants or I could put you on progesterone only. You know, it's like they would give you birth control, but they wouldn't give you any other testing. They wouldn't even test your hormone levels where I went. So yeah, and it doesn't seem to matter, even if it was only 10 pounds, that's got to be the reason, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what I've learned since then is part of this medical dismissal that happens so frequently for women is actually that menopause is a medical diagnosis, right? You can Mm -hmm. identify it as a year with no period, but perimenopause is not a disease state. It's Mm -hmm. not a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So from a medical standpoint, unless they're specializing in menopause and doing hormone replacement therapy, it's, they lack the training. They Mm -hmm. lack the knowledge um, when you're going to a general practitioner. And so the dismissal is not that we as women are wrong for bringing it up. It's that the medical system is broken in so many ways. Doctors lack current information and training, Mm -hmm. Um, Even OBGYNs, I've heard in their medical training, maybe spend a couple hours (laughs) on perimenopause and menopause because a lot of the OBGYN training is mainly focused in like fertility and having babies and all of that stuff. And so we have this thing going on where women are dismissed, but they don't Mm -hmm. feel like themselves. They feel out of body Mm -hmm. and uh, there are things that you can do. But a doctor may not be the first line of support. You know, Mm -hmm. I definitely encourage women to find a menopause trained specialist on your medical team. But when you're first in early perimenopause, uh, you know, it can just be like more of an emotional or spiritual, like feeling like, gosh, I just don't feel like myself anymore. Like exactly my body's changing and I'm like feeling that and 
women just think, oh, the first person I should go to is a doctor, which I don't think is wrong, but it's creating this phenomenon where women feel dismissed and unheard, and then they don't continue to advocate for themselves and seek greater support. And so that's why I'm like, being a health and life coach focused on perimenopause can really help women navigate this time of life. Absolutely. You feel a little crazy in the first place. And then you go to the doctor and they just say, yep, you're crazy. And, you know, send you home with, you know, whatever nonsense advice they give you. So you just kind of end up home going, all right, I guess I'm crazy. And then, then you kind of go down a rabbit hole because you start Googling things. Nobody really talks about it. There's not more now, but in the, in the past, there just wasn't a lot of information that felt hard science, right? It was like, well, this could be this, something else could be happening. Um, And then you just feel nuts. And I think the dangerous thing is that so many women will then do a lot of herbs or, um, you know, other protocols that maybe aren't for them. I'm certainly not um, anti-herbs by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like you need a professional to help guide you through knowing what's for you and what's not. Now, I know in your coaching, you emphasize moving away from diet culture. How do you help women transition from this sort of perimenopausal state with intuitive eating? How is that helpful? Yeah. So if you're in your forties right now, forties and fifties, you lived through diet culture of the nineties, right? Mm -hmm. Heroin chic, the thin ideal, um, you know, we talked about celebrities being fat and the tabloids all the yes. time, right? Like, and that was our teenage years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our, and so now coming into a perimenopause, when it is normal for your body to change, that is mm. part of it. Diet culture is taking advantage of that. There is so much messaging out there focused on perimenopausal women and their changing bodies mm-hmm. that, you know, bust the muffin top, banish the meno belly, yep. you know, all this messaging saying like your body is wrong. Mm-hmm. You need to fix your body. And the way to do it, diet culture answer is an extreme diet, which right. actually can wreak havoc on your hormones in even more ways. It's like the worst thing you can do for hormone health and perimenopause. Absolutely. Um, and so instead of, and so I want to normalize finding a solution in diet culture can make a mm-hmm. lot of sense when that has been a place of like known safety in, you know, previous sure. years of your life. But I also think perimenopause, I see it as kind of like this storm that like shakes things up mm-hmm. for women. Like, you know, you get really clear on what your priorities are and who you want to be in this next chapter. Yes. Yes. There's a reckoning. And Mm -hmm. so I just saw in women, gosh, like it's a time where women, if they're open to it, can see this as a portal or like Mm -hmm. a time to transform their relationship with food and body. And so that's where it's almost like they're hitting a bottom. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it feels mm-hmm. so intolerable. Like, God, I got to do my body is changing. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good about it. Maybe this is the time I'm finally going to make peace with my body and right. with my relationship with food. And so exactly. that's where the intuitive eating principles come in. That's so important because even in media, I mean, if you look on an Instagram page or even in the news, all of the things that you see about women, especially women over 40, all talk about 
you know, how they're rocking a bikini or their legs look super toned or their abs are so tight. It's like, it's okay to get old, but you can't look old. It's okay to be old, but you can't have wrinkles. You can't have body fat and you have to perpetually look like you're 25 or 30. And then it's okay if you age, you just can't look like you're getting older, which is so ridiculous. And it creates yet another, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like another problem for us in terms of trying to be who we are and be okay with who we are and really step into our power as women in this time of our life when everyone around us is saying that our bodies are wrong because our bodies are not the same as they used to be. Yeah. And I had to really do my own internal work on that thought for myself mm. because as like a weight neutral coach, mm -hmm. I did believe that all bodies are good bodies. Mm -hmm. Like, and I embraced like the range of bodies that exist out there and I could accept anybody's body shape and size, but I had my own internal ageism and fat phobia that I had sure. to work through. So my thought was, well, it's fine for other people to gain weight or mm -hmm. other people's bodies to change, but I just don't want my body to change. And I'm I was so glad you said that. Yeah, because, you know, that it's like a dirty little secret in the non diet world is that, you know, we can be accepting of everyone else. But, you know, in the dark at home, when I'm looking at myself in the mirror, can I be that accepting of my own body and the changes I'm going through? That's powerful. And I would compare my body, like my 46 year old body, I'd be like, well, it looks different than it did at 25. Like, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or why, why not. is it changing? <laughs> like, I didn't think my body was going to change. I thought everybody right. else's bodies were going <laughs> to change. So I really like, I had to do my own coaching work around my own relationship with my body and yeah. its changes and its aging and being fully accepting of that. It was a lot to process. And yeah. so that that's the work that I do with my clients now is processing that in those deep, deep secret internal thoughts about our own bodies. Yeah, it's it's hard and it makes you feel very vulnerable, but it's a powerful thing to do once you kind of get in it and start making those changes. Absolutely. Um, you know, you talk about the concept of cyclical living. Can you talk a little bit more about that concept and how cyclical living can help support women through this time? Yeah. I wish someone had taught me about cyclical living <laughs> 20 years ago. I really do. And I use the word cyclical living versus cycle syncing, which is mm. really becoming popular right now in wellness mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. um, and the difference I see in cyclical living versus cycle syncing, to me, the perception of cycle syncing is like, another set of rules of like how I'm supposed to exercise and what I'm supposed to eat based on yeah. the four phases of the menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's for most women, we have enough food rules. I don't need another set of food rules <laughs> to follow <laughs> based on what day of my cycle I'm oh, on. Oh God. Like, should I eat broccoli or Brussels sprouts today? I don't know which one's right. Like I don't, I don't need that extra stress in my life. Right. But cyclical living is about understanding the four phases of your menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. And honestly, before I learned this, I thought you were like either bleeding or not bleeding. Right. Like two cycles. 
<laughs> yeah. And there's actually four phases mm-hmm. of the menstrual cycle. And you can look at it like your four seasons of mm-hmm. the year. You know, your ovulation is your summer season. And your menstrual cycle, the bleed, is like a winter season. Mm-hmm. And if you just think about those energies, right, you have a very different energy in the summer than you do in sure. the winter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so those that energy is kind of duplicated in our bodies. Mm-hmm. You also see it in the four phases of the moon, Absolutely. which I think is really powerful. So then when you realize like, wow, so in this feminine body... I have like the four seasons of the Mm -hmm. earth. I have the four phases of the moon. Like Mm -hmm. this is really powerful. This 28 day cycle. Right. And so, you know, our brains also change like how Mm -hmm. they function throughout Mm -hmm. those 28 days. We are better at knocking off to-do lists during our luteal cycle and we're creative and brainstorming during our follicular phase. Mm -hmm. So Using all of that to like tap into that feminine power and be right. most efficient, most productive, the most like in tune mm-hmm. um, can be really powerful. I would say the biggest thing personally I have learned from cyclical living is being able to honor rest. Mm. Like it's okay when I feel tired, when I'm bleeding, right? To just say, oh, I'm going to just shut some things down. Mm-hmm. take a break and trust that in three days I'll feel like myself again. Right. <laughs> it's going to get better. <laughs> you know, it's really fascinating to think about our bodies um, being in sync with the earth and the energies of the seasons really being influential in our ability to get more done or our ability to give ourselves permission to rest. And that seems to go against every sort of masculine patriarchal concept of strict rules, strict schedules. You have to get everything done. You know, you've got to give it 110% every day. How do you see that sort of feminist non-diet mindset being manifested in the coaching that you do? How do you coach women to give themselves permission to be more in their feminine bodies and in their feminine power during this time? Yeah. So our world is based on the male hormonal cycle, which is a 24 hour cycle. Mm -hmm. That's the expectation that you should get up every morning and do the same thing Mm -hmm. for the next 12 hours, right? Go to work, do the thing, come home, rest, wake up, do it all over again on repeat. Mm -hmm. And women's bodies, our hormonal cycle is a 28 day cycle. So first of all, if you just have ever felt like you don't fit in this world, now in you a know female why. body, <laughs> you don't because it right. wasn't built for your body. Right. 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 So that's like the expectation of productivity from a male's point of view to females. And then first, I think just understanding how our bodies work, mm-hmm. because part of it is just knowledge is power. And we yes. weren't taught this. Mm-hmm how our body is operating differently and understanding that our hormones are never balanced because they're changing every day. (laughs) Right. So chasing hormone balance makes Mm -hmm. no sense. That's another wellness craze out there. Oh yeah. Keep, keep driving for perfectionistic, you know, achievement of Mm -hmm. hormone balance. Right. And so first knowing how your body operates and then slowly giving yourself permission 
to be in those phases, right? Like mm-hmm. setting boundaries of rest or trusting your body and it's like creative thinking will come back later in a cycle, right? Sure. Like I actually had that just yesterday. Like I had had on my calendar to do a lot of writing mm-hmm. and I was just not feeling it. <laughs> I was like, I am like not feeling in the flow at all. Right. And instead of pushing through and fighting it, mm-hmm. which I think I would have done in the past. Oh yeah. Years ago. Instead, I was like, you know, I wonder if I just went and walked around the block for 20 minutes, would it change how my brain is functioning right now? Would it help me get more embodied or And just giving my, like trusting myself Mm -hmm. that the ideas would come to me sure if I didn't just sit in front of the screen trying to like get them to to come out. Yeah, to force it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the feminist perspective comes in and like that body trust, Mm -hmm. trusting myself that like the ideas will come. Yeah. Yeah. And really encouraging my clients that they can learn to do the same, but we haven't been taught that. No, not at all. And it's so funny that we call it imbalanced hormones because they're really not imbalanced. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're just not the same as they were through our reproductive years. Right. So it's not that they are no longer balanced. It's just that they are naturally rebalancing. They're changing to something completely different. So the way we even talk about ourselves and our bodies during this period is it's so patriarchal. And I hate to keep saying that word, but it's true. You know, we were raised in a society that, like you said, you would do 24 hours a day, seven days a week, most of the time, 30 uh, days a month, and that you have to stick to that schedule. And that no matter what you're feeling, you've got to push through it, right? You've got to force yourself to do it. You've got to push through it. Um, And giving ourselves permission just to step back and realize that whatever we're doing is not working it's so powerful because you don't have to feel guilty or ashamed that you didn't sit there and force yourself to write what might've been nonsense, right? And not even that good, but just taking a break giving your mind a, a chance to relax a little bit and you come back and maybe you write, maybe you don't, but there is no guilt. There's no shame. You know, you don't feel bad about yourself because you didn't finish it. You know, the to-do lists are kind of out of control anyway. And so, you know, honoring that our hormones are not out of balance, but that they are just kind of changing those, um, those concepts can make you feel a little less crazy too. And and you talk about, you know, using hormone honoring health habits in your coaching. Would you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah. Yeah. So there are ways to support your hormones. I do think this hormone balance is a total myth that Mm -hmm sets us up to just kind of feel like we need to be fixed again, right? That something's wrong. But I do think perimenopause, because your hormones are changing. I mean, it is like a hormonal roller coaster that you're Mm -hmm. on. It's just that there's nothing wrong that you're on that roller coaster. That is this natural stage of life. Like you are supposed to be going through it, but I'm not (laughs) saying that it doesn't feel uncomfortable and kind of terrifying in moments. Right. Right. So if you think of this roller coaster, there are ways through hormone supporting or hormone honoring habits Mm -hmm. to make the roller coaster a little less extreme. Okay. And none of these hormone 
honoring habits are like crazy things that you're like, oh my gosh, no. Things like making sure you're getting enough sleep, like mm-hmm. really prioritizing your sleep, slowing down during your day to just be more presenced in mm-hmm. your body and more connected, making sure that you get outside every day so that you mm-hmm. breathe fresh air and you get some sunlight on your face, right? That mm-hmm. can really support your your hormones. Um, there is nutritionally some things that we can add to your plate, like mm-hmm. really focusing on protein can mm-hmm. help with blood sugar balance, which then also like if you are on a blood sugar roller coaster mm-hmm. and your perimenopausal hormonal roller coaster, sure. you can feel really, really out of your mind. Right. right? And so right. making sure your blood sugar is more stable can be mm-hmm. really, really helpful physically and mentally. Right. Um, adding more fiber to your plate so that you're mm-hmm. more satiated um, and also you support your digestion, right? right. So oh, these yeah. are just some of the hormone supporting habits I help my clients with. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll share these and people are like, it's so simple. And I'm like, yeah, yeah it's, it's simple. It's not always easy to implement in the day to day, but I also want to call out like the diet culture piece of it is like none of the things I just listed cost a million dollars to do. True. (laughs) Very true. They're accessible to most people. Mm -hmm. So it's simple to implement. And I think that's part of diet culture and wellness culture is like, they want it to feel really confusing and overwhelming and you need to spend all this money to do it. And it's like, no, what if this perimenopausal hormonal roller coaster is just like shaking things up in your life, Mm -hmm. asking you to prioritize yourself and your health in a whole new way. Right. And the sleep piece is so critical too, because I know so many women, myself included, had horrible sleep disruption, whether it was from just, you know, your mind would be racing or your heart would start racing, or you would have night sweats or, you know, I didn't really have a lot of hot flashes during the day, but night sweats were awful for me. Mm. And I just remember feeling exhausted all the time because you just couldn't get the sleep. Something that is as basic as a good night's sleep. Boy, if that's a problem, it will disrupt everything else. It makes it hard to make good food choices. It makes it hard to make good decisions for yourself and what you're going to do during the day. Your cognition is poor. Your temper is poor. Your mood is off. I mean, all of those things are affected by just even one or two nights of poor sleep. What sort of advice or coaching do you do to help people who are suffering from some of the sleep disruption? Yeah. So, I mean, one thing, just making sure, you know, all those sleep hygiene practices are in place, right? Mm -hmm. So making sure you have on your schedule, a solid eight hours to actually sleep Mm -hmm. is the first thing. A colder room can be really helpful or dressing in layers, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, um, there's even now like cool sheets and cool blankets that are available. There's a lot more stuff out there. And then limiting caffeine and red wine can also be helpful. But then there's also, there are like hormone replacement therapy and um, some other medications that have just come to market that can help Mm -hmm. with hot flashes and some of that like temperature regulation or dysregulation that's going on. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I can help somebody in conjunction with their medical provider. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, there are, you know, 
drugs that could help you. And let's make sure before you try those drugs that all those sleep hygiene practices are in place. And what is the inner dialogue when you wake up at three in the morning? Mm -hmm. That's a big one. It really is because that can make or break the rest of your night. You know, if you stay up because you've, you know, got the TV on or you, you know, just ruined yourself, or do you sit there and get mad at yourself because you can't sleep and just make it worse. Right. Right. Or you're anxious, right? It's three in the morning. You're like, Oh my God, I'm never going to sleep. Tomorrow's going to be ruined. I'm going to not be able to get through the day. Like, is that the running inner dialogue? Mm -hmm. And that's where cognitive behavioral coaching can be so helpful Mm -hmm. to understand what that inner dialogue is because if it's going on at three in the morning it's probably going on during the day too and like let's uncover that Mm -hmm. and then um reprogram that like come up with new thoughts you know and so I what I do wake up at three in the morning a lot or sometimes Mm -hmm. just really early and the three in the morning is really common for menopausal women Mm -hmm. and so when I open my eyes I'm just like okay it's okay you don't have to worry, be calm. (laughs) Right. Like I try to, I'm like, just close your eyes again, roll over. Like I try to like keep myself in like a very calm state and not get Mm -hmm. like worried right away that I'm not going to be able to fall asleep. Right. Cause that just makes it harder. Yeah. It absolutely (sighs) does. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's tough. It's, you know, you, you want to get everything done because so many women in midlife have, you know, multiple things going on. Some still have children, some are, you know, working one or two jobs or going back to school and trying to work. And they, you know, whether they have children or not, they may have other duties or responsibilities, you know, in this age in particular, a lot of us have, you know, younger people that we're caring for and maybe older people that we're caring for. So there's a huge amount of responsibility for women in their forties and fifties. And having all of this layered on top of it can make you feel like there is no way out, like it's hopeless, like there's no opportunity for any relief. And so knowing that doing something as simple as changing the way that you think about what's happening in the moment can affect the rest of your day or the rest of your night or morning, whenever it might be, that's really powerful because oftentimes we feel so out of control. Yeah. And I think even just the, what are your thoughts about perimenopause? What are your mm-hmm. beliefs, right? There's a real stigma around even just talking about it. I think Absolutely. it's shifting. It's shifting a lot. A lot of celebrities are coming out and talking about their perimenopause experiences. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like my mom never talked to me about it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I think this previous generation, it was very um, secretive. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and kind of embarrassing. So we are breaking down that stigma just by having this conversation and normalizing the hormonal roller coaster, body changes, all of it. And so I do think to take a pause and look at like, well, what are my beliefs about perimenopause? How do I think and feel about this experience that I'm going through? Mm -hmm. And as like a conscious, intuitive woman, how do I want to think about this? Right. Right. Giving yourself the power of choice. I think that's really important. Now, I know you mentioned that you trained with uh, Evelyn Triboli, who was the co-creator of the intuitive eating program. Talk a little bit about how you integrate the principles of intuitive eating with your coaching program. Hmm. Intuitive eating is the process that we can focus on Mm -hmm. instead of dieting. So when we want to let go of diet culture, 
it can feel really overwhelming to just say, well, I'm not going to diet or I'm not going to have food rules anymore. And then the fear that's so common is like, oh my God, if I have no rules about food, I'm just going to eat donuts all day long (laughs) for the rest of my life. Right. It's going to be crazy. Right. (laughs) And that's not going to feel good either. Right. Right. So intuitive eating gives us a research-based process to follow to heal our relationship with food. And so Mm -hmm. focusing on hunger and fullness and satisfaction, breaking down diet culture and really calling out what we were taught about diet culture Mm, and, and food and our bodies and really breaking that down so that we can release it and live Mm -hmm. the rest of our lives without any of that diet culture BS. Right, right. So, so freeing. And then honoring our health with gentle nutrition, mm-hmm. right? There is nutrition in intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Talked about, you know, a few of the things that you can do in midlife nutritionally, right? Focusing on protein, but not being obsessed with it at every meal, right? Like that's where we get so black and white in our thinking because mm-hmm. there's a lot out there about like midlife women must have this many grams of protein yep. every single day or this meal. Like you don't have to be obsessed about it. Mm-hmm. And it would be really good for retaining your muscle mass to make sure you get enough protein every day. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that is challenging because you're right. We grow up with all these rules and we have been um, kind of brainwashed into believing that we have to count and track everything, right? I wear a tracker. I have to have a log for my food. I've got to log my steps. I've got to track my units. I've got to track my grams of protein. And you said something really important that there is a nutritional component to intuitive eating. It's not eat whatever you want all the time and assuming that's going to be fast food or, you know, something that maybe is more of an indulgent or a play food. So being willing to say, yes, there is some nutritional information here that we can provide, but we don't want to get crazy with it, right? I don't want you to bring your scale out at the table at the restaurant and weigh and measure, you know, the piece of chicken that you just ordered to make sure it's enough protein. I just want you to enjoy the chicken and maybe the ambiance and the people you're with, right? It's a shift, but it's hard to let go of those rules because so many of us feel like we really need those guidelines or we're going to be out of control. Well, because we don't trust ourselves. Yeah. Right. We don't trust ourselves to make choices that work for our bodies. Mm -hmm. And when we've been told our body is wrong or broken in some ways, and the way Mm -hmm. to fix that fix in air quotes is through food and controlling our food. Right. Yeah. But also speaking to the level of stress that most women in midlife have, like, do you really have time to track everything? (laughs) Like, is that really going to help in what you're managing in your life with stress right now? Like, wouldn't it be nice to have this one area of your life where you're like, oh, I don't need to track that because Mm -hmm. I can trust my body's wisdom and what it's telling me about Mm -hmm. my appetite and my hunger and my fullness and what will taste good right now. So I won't have to track any of that. And that will be such a huge stress relief. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I have another question for you that um, you had mentioned that you had a background in drama. Mm -hmm. um, And I know you've done um, a lot of acting in your sort of previous life. How do you feel that that training has um, influenced the way that you coach your clients? Does it come into play at all? It comes into play every single day. 
<laughs> okay, so tell, so, tell me more. <laughs> so I was a professional actress for 10 years and mm-hmm. I studied it in college. I've been acting in plays since I was a young girl. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy now because I have so many former actor friends who are now therapists or coaches <laughs> or teachers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why did that? How did that happen? And it makes so much sense because great actors are all about being in the moment, Mm. being present, Mm -hmm. and really listening. Like a good actor never does a play the same way every night. Like there's Mm. always nuance to it because you have to be in the moment and reacting to what your scene partner is giving you. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm coaching with clients, it's all that skill set. It's being a deep, deep listener being present with somebody and like giving Mm -hmm. them my full attention and then trusting my instincts as a coach that I will have the right powerful question to ask them or be able to guide them with my intuition on like where they want to go. So I use it every single day. That's fascinating because, you know, when we're working with a coach, it often is the only time that we are speaking and someone else's job is not to save us, fix us, solve the problem, or comfort us. The job is just to hold space and let us talk and then really hear what it is that we're saying and then being willing to respond to that in a way that is productive. Um, It's an invaluable thing to be able to experience for yourself as a person who's been coached, just to be there and have somebody hold that space for you while you're talking and know that they're taking in everything that you're saying without trying to offer a lot of advice, without trying to interrupt you. They don't already think they know what you're going to say. They're not trying to solve your problem in advance. It's just being able to talk and have somebody listen. It's so powerful that I wish everybody could experience it at some point, because it really does make a big difference. You hear yourself better when you're in that space. Don't you think? Oh, it's been life-changing for me to have a coach and be coached. And it's amazing how you have your own blind spots about Mm -hmm. your life, about your thoughts and beliefs and feelings. And then to have a coach pointed out, they're like, can you see this? Can you see how you're creating this without blame or judgment? But just like, do you see how this is happening? And I'm like, no, I don't see that. It's amazing to have it pointed out. Yeah. And you know, you and I are have similar training backgrounds in our coaching. Mm-hmm. I don't think all coaches coach in the same way. There are yeah. coaches out there who are advice givers and mm-hmm. to-do list coaches. Mm-hmm. And honestly, in my original health coach training, it was more about actions and like here's the sleep hygiene list and just go do this, or here are the foods to eat. And I quickly realized that that method of coaching did not Mm -hmm. create long lasting change. And so that's when I got additional training on the cognitive behavioral coaching method, because it gets to that root cause of human behavior of what's going on. And that's where the long-term transformation can happen. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of health coach training programs that just give you protocols, you know, so it's not that much different than anything else. It's, uh, you know, here's your list, here are your food groups, you know, track this, write this down, another checklist. Um, 
And when you're working with a coach, you might get homework, but the homework is going to be more like pay attention to the things that you're thinking, you know, write down the thoughts that you're having, you know, I mean, so that can be a lot more powerful than just getting a protocol that you may or may not even follow. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to the beginning of our conversation about women getting dismissed from medical providers, Mm -hmm. what perimenopausal women are looking for in reaching out to their medical provider is being heard and Mm -hmm. seen and listened to about Mm -hmm. feeling like I don't feel like myself anymore. My body is changing. My mood is changing. My thoughts are changing. Like what is going on? And so a coach can do that for you. They can see and hear you, but unfortunately the way our medical system is like, they don't have the time to do that and they really don't have that training, but they have training in other things that can support you. Sure. Your doctor's got maybe three to five minutes to spend with you. And in that time, they need to be told what's going on, diagnose your condition and give you a solution, right? In that few minutes. And that's almost impossible if it's something that does not have a diagnosis like perimenopause. I mean, yes, there are some common symptoms, right? That that most women go through. We talked about um, some of the night sweats or hot flashes and sleep issues, you know, a few things, mood changes, cognitive changes, um, but that's hard to see. And it's hard to diagnose in five minutes. So yeah, your doctor is not going to be a good coach in that way. They're not going to be able to come in and sit with you and let you talk and really try to hear what it is that you're saying. It's yeah, it's another checklist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So what thoughts could you share um, for women who are feeling maybe overwhelmed by all of the physical changes that accompany perimenopause? Because there's a lot. Weight gain we've talked about is, uh, I think weight gain might be, the one that you hear about in the media the most because diet culture has a solution. (laughs) (laughs) But what other things are going on that maybe, you know, you can help women with? Yeah. I mean, increased stress, hot flashes, sleep disturbances, um, you know, stress is a big one. It's funny because in this hormonal imbalance, hormone balance chasing Mm -hmm. cortisol, your stress hormone, Like that's one that you can manage, you know, Mm -hmm. by not by eliminating your stress in your life, but how you process that stress, Mm -hmm. which most of us were not taught how to do. Um, And I think the main thing as far as the long, long list of perimenopause symptoms is to have a space to normalize them. Mm -hmm. You know, your body is not broken. This is a normal transition. But just because it's a normal and natural transition, it doesn't mean that you have to suffer. Mm -hmm. Um, There are resources out there and to normalize what's going on. And then also I can help you advocate for yourself within the medical system to get resources and support that I cannot give as a non-medical provider, Mm -hmm. but I can, but holding that space to hear someone and listen and realize that society taught us that we were less valuable as we age and bodies changed. And I can have, I can help you create a whole new relationship with aging, with your changing body and really allow you to step into your power and feeling at ease Mm -hmm. with all of it. It sounds like your coaching program is more of a holistic approach I mean, it's not just like, here's a, a diet protocol to follow. You're going to feel fine, but it sounds like you really do incorporate a lot of different modalities um, and a lot of different strategies to help women feel 
like they're ready to take on the next stage in their life. Yeah. I mean, I do believe in the four bodies of health, right? That health Mm -hmm. is more than just physical. It's also emotional, mental, and spiritual. Mm -hmm. And depending on how open to spiritual practices, you know, we can incorporate that or not. And that, you know, to just address physical symptoms Mm -hmm. um, doesn't honor the complete person. Right, right. Yeah, and I think true. a lot of the distress for women in midlife is emotional and mental based mm-hmm. on what they were taught. We were taught from society. Yeah. So I know on your website, you have um, a free guide. Can you tell us a little bit about what's in that guide? Yeah. So it's the non-diet guide to perimenopause. So you will find no diet culture (laughs) in this guide. Um, I talk about uh, menopause being one day. So the real definition, the true definition of menopause. I also have a list of all the symptoms of perimenopause. So you can take that checklist and check off what you are experiencing. Mm -hmm. And then also a list of the hormone hormone supporting habits that we talked about. I have a complete list in there also. So how you can honor your health in perimenopause, but without the focus being on changing your body. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, People can find that at your website. Um, I'll list all of this in the show notes so people will know exactly how to connect with you. And for those people that do, um, I know they can find you on Instagram at Kate W. Stone. What can they learn from your Instagram platform? What can what do you share there that we would be excited to see? Ooh, I love sharing on Instagram. It's really <laughs> fun. So you'll get like a behind the scenes of my real life in my Instagram mm-hmm. stories. And then I share about body image, uh, stress management, uh, health supporting habits in real life. Sometimes I'm sharing what I'm cooking for dinner with my mm-hmm. husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I try to be really like just approachable and real and authentic in my Instagram. So definitely find me there. And uh, it's me, like, it's it's just <laughs> me there. So like, if you DM me, you are not chatting with some bot or assistant, right. like you are messaging me. Right. Um, if you send me an email or a DM on Instagram. So I would love to connect there. That's great. You know, reflecting on our conversation, it's pretty evident that your approach to health and wellness really offers uh, refreshing and a much needed perspective, especially for women navigating all the complexities that go along with perimenopause and your journey from facing your own challenges with perimenopause to empowering others through things like hormone honoring health, intuitive eating habits. And it's inspiring and enlightening because so many people have no idea that they can get help for these symptoms and your dedication to dismantling diet culture and then also advocating for a more inclusive and compassionate approach to health is a beacon of hope for so many women. So Thank you so much for being here today. It was helpful for me, and I know it was helpful for the audience. Um, So personally, here are just a few things I'm taking away from our conversation. Kate's personal and professional journey really sheds light on the unique challenges women face during perimenopause and the importance of understanding and addressing these changes in a holistic way. And her non-diet intuitive approach really empowers women to reject restrictive dieting, especially during a phase of life when traditional diet methods have failed us. They've failed us for so long, but it's even worse now. And your emphasis on hormone honoring practices really offers some practical and effective strategies for women in perimenopause, helping them maintain their health, their wellness, and and 
their mindset <laughs> more than anything else. We don't want to lose our minds. And your focus on mindful eating and adapting lifestyle habits to your body's natural cycles provides a grounded and sustainable approach to wellness. And your work that champions body positivity and acceptance really encourages women to embrace their bodies with kindness and compassion, especially during these transformative years. And we also highlighted the importance of a holistic approach to health that considers not just your physical well-being, but your emotional and spiritual health as well. And your story and approach really illustrate how embracing intuitive self-care practices can lead to greater empowerment and a deeper sense of well-being in the long run. Do you have um, any final thoughts or advice you'd like to share with our audience? I'll share a quick story. Years ago, I was laying on the acupuncture table with my acupuncturist. This was mm -hmm. probably five years ago now when I was dealing with heavy bleeding and all of these symptoms. And I was asking her about perimenopause and she said, well, you know, perimenopause can be a portal to transformation if you're open to it. Mm -hmm. But most women aren't open to that experience. And yeah. that really, like, I mean, it landed with me in a deep mm -hmm. way and it showed me, oh, I have a choice here. I can continue to subscribe to the narrative that I have been given that I should feel shame about perimenopause and my body's broken and it's no longer as valuable or worthy as it once was when I was mm -hmm. 25 years old or I can make a choice to go a different way and step into this portal of transformation. So I love looking at it that way because that's so much more empowering than thinking I'm getting old and irrelevant and useless, right? It's a new chapter in our lives. It can be a, a definitely difficult transition for some people, but if you're open to the fact that life is going to get different we can kind of shift our archetype from being like the princess, right? That's always sort of got to be pretty and and whatever that means to being more of the, the queen or the high priestess or the empress in our lives. We can really step into that next chapter and be the goddess that we are here to be without having to worry about all of the other things that go along with reproductive care. You still have to take care of yourself reproductively, of course, but you don't have to worry about a lot of the same things you did when you were in your, you know, 20s or 30s. Life has shifted, your body has changed. And if we can embrace that change and honor it instead of only celebrating cel celebrities with, you know, the toned legs and and the skimpy dress that, you know, on her 50th birthday, whatever, right? Let's embrace bodies that are real and that are beautiful and that are all shapes and sizes. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Everybody, you can get a copy of the free non-diet guide to perimenopause at katewilliamstone.com backslash guide. And you can connect with Kate on Instagram at katewstone or at katewilliamstone.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Say Win podcast. And thank you, Kate, for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. Your work not only helps redefine health in midlife, but also encourages women to embrace this phase of life with confidence and self-love. Until next time, everybody. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Say When, the podcast for women who've had enough of diet culture and are ready to get on with their lives. If you'd like to learn more about working with me, send me a DM through Instagram at Holly Toscanini, or you can find me on my website, hollytoscanini.com. Thanks for joining me.